Was Brian a human being? Yes. And he went missing. Was Brian involved in bungee jumping? Yes. And tactical paper mache. Did Brian take improv classes? Yes. And he learned the rules of improv. Did these rules of improv inspire Brian to yes and in his own life? To heighten to the point of no return? Only one man can tell us for sure. seven-year-old bungee jumper and tactical paper mache enthusiast was on his way to the Rainforest Cafe in Tyson's Corner, Virginia, when he went missing. Hello, and welcome back to the show. Uh, you are listening to True Deception. I'm Clark McCarthy. I'm sitting here with Owen Ingmar. How are you doing today, Owen? I'm doing well. How are you? I am doing very well. Um, I'm really enjoying the season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, roasting nuts and of course, uh, making some trying to, uh, you know, growing up, we didn't have a lot of homemade recipes and, you know, I got into last week that I was making my own eggnog. And mm-hmm. so, um, I've just said, why not just go the whole shebang and make my recipes for everything, you know, stuff I can pass down to my kids. Uh, and that includes roasting nuts. Um, yes. So I, I, I've only heard of chestnuts roasting, I was not really familiar with chestnuts or mm-hmm. why they were roasted or how long to roast them. I do not have chestnuts and I do not know where to find chestnuts. So I've just been roasting other sorts of nuts. Um, almonds. Oh, oh yes. You better believe I'm roasting almonds. Um, and because I have a lot of bourbon, I've been sort of cooking them up in a bourbon. Uh, yeah. I'm doing a lot of Costco runs. Okay. Are you soaking the nuts and then roasting them? Yeah, I'll soak them. I'll do a pre-soak. I'll cook them in the bourbon, and then I'll do a post-soak bourbon soak. Oh, okay. Post-soak yeah. bourbon soak. And what are you... I know the song is roasting them over an open fire. How are you choosing to roast them? Um, you know those cans with the little fires inside of them that uh, caterers use? I don't know what they're called. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm familiar with those. Aren't those found- just to keep things warm? Yeah, I so it's been a slow roast at best, I would say. Okay. But yeah, but I've been sort of leaving them on there and I bought a generic brand, so I don't actually know what the what those things are officially called. But, wow. Uh, yeah, it's been great. I've actually what I've discovered doing it the way I've been doing it is that I'm less roasting almonds and sort of making like a nut jungle juice. Mm. Because it is very high in the alcohol content. Yeah. Between that and the eggnog, you've got to be uh, drunk most of the time. <laughs> I I prefer to describe it as festive. But yes, I think <laughs> if you did my blood alcohol, I would be technically drunk. Yes. Okay. You've been, you're really festive this uh, year. Yes. I've been wearing a sweater while I do Ooh. it. Mm-hmm. Is so. that a homemade sweater I see? They, yes, these are homemade sweaters. Oh, yes. Thank you so much for reminding me. If you guys go on to uh, the True Deception uh, Twitter, you can get some of my homemade sweaters. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm knitting them myself. So you might get them May, June-ish, but 
they are homemade and they are festive Christmas sweaters. Yeah. They say Christmas 2020 on them. Yes. <laughs> that is the pattern and I do not know how to change that. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, how are well, you doing? What's going on with you? Well, I'm doing pretty well. Um, the, you know, the year is coming to an end. Uh, and I looked back over my resolutions um, and I fell behind on some of them, honestly. Uh, this investigation has been such a focus and, um, you know, I've been in between living situations. So I'm trying to get all my resolutions done uh, before the end of the year. So uh, I've got to um, create a Mad Magazine um, competitor and run them out of business by the end of the year. Um, <laughs> I've got to try and uh, mate a grape with a watermelon, uh, uh, mm -hmm. come up with a name for it, and grape melon is where I'm at. Um, <clears throat> I've got to uh, fall in love. Um, I've got to parent trap uh, someone and um, I've got to uh, conclude um, the uh, play I've been writing. Um, uh, wow. So you've got a busy couple of weeks ahead. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I listen, if anyone can do it, it's you, buddy. I, I believe in you, you uh, wholeheartedly. You. I will ask, um, cause I noticed one thing on that list that I think is might, might be doable. And I, I'd like to play a little Cupid here. So if, for people who don't maybe remember, uh, Owen is living in a motel and he is working as sort of a prostitute for two sisters, Patty and Selma right now. Mm -hmm. Do you think maybe you could fall in love with one of them? It's possible. Uh, you know my rule. I don't like to miss, mix business with pleasure. Um, so uh, it's possible that I could court one of them. Um, but then who would pay me? Uh, it gets a little sticky. Um, sure. I, that's what I felt like when I watched the movie uh, Pretty Woman is I got to the end of that movie and I'm like, okay, well, there goes your revenue stream. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, what now? What? You yeah. know, I've spent all this time developing not a large client base, but a consistent two sister client base. And then I assume at least half my business is out the window. Um, you know, I know Selma and Patty and uh, if I married Patty, she wouldn't be OK with Selma still <laughs> for sex. So mm. I'm going to have to look elsewhere, but I do like where your head is at. Um, it probably makes sense to see if I can't fall in love with twins. Um, mm. Because who knows? Maybe there are strange twins and then I can do the parent trap and it's, uh, you know, two twins with one stone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I just love that for you, honestly. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Well, I mean, it seems like we both got a lot of good stuff happening right now. And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm happy that we're ending the year on such a positive note. Yes, me too. It's really good to see you've come into your own as a innovator and chef. Thank you. You know, and I, I mean, I'm excited to try these grape watermelons. <laughs> Now, are these going to be the size? Are these going to be more like grapes the size of watermelons, or watermelons the size of grapes? <laughs> <laughs> they're good. 
Um, I, you know, when you said it, I thought, of course, they're going to be grapes the size of watermelons. And then when you said watermelons the size of grapes, I thought, well, who wouldn't like a handful, you know, a pocket full of watermelons? (laughs) Um, So, uh, (laughs) yeah, you could be cracking them like stachios. Yeah. Oh, right. (laughs) Um, I, you know, I could, uh, and then who knows you roast them. Uh, maybe we do a little cross marketing. So I think I'm going to make great. I'm going to make watermelons the size of grapes. It should be easy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. That, that one might, you might even be able to do just by cutting them off the vine early. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's how they work. Right. Uh, I think they, they start fully ripe and then they just get bigger and bigger. They just get bigger and better. <laughs> No, not better. Just bigger. They just get bigger and bigger. (laughs) You're right. All right. Well, I'm excited to hear from our guest. Uh, We have a wonderful guest today. Uh, Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and let us know your relation to the case? My name's uh, Stan Tingle, and uh, I was Brian's uh, improv teacher. Mm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Brian was uh, taking a number of improv classes. Uh, He hadn't really done it uh, his whole life, and then he kind of took one, I think just for fun, caught the bug. And I worked with him maybe for about six months. Wow. Yeah. Hey, and I'm then, sorry. Of course he stopped showing up and, um, you know, at first I didn't notice. Then I eventually heard that he hadn't just vanished from improv classes, but had vanished from his life, mm-hmm. uh, which I was glad because I took it personally when at first he wasn't showing up. <laughs> Did you have a falling out with Brian? Did you think you had yes. done something? Yes, we had a huge falling out. He didn't take notes well, to be to be honest. He was uh he was a headstrong. He was he was a maniac. He was a maniac. He was he was bad. He was bad at improv. I and I, you know, at first you you know when somebody's brand new, you try to encourage them and be sort of nurturing, but eventually you have to give the hard note. And I gave it to him, and it immediately exploded into a brawl. Um, an actual brawl, a huge brawl, like a wrestling match. Like it was weird. Like we, we could tell that neither of us were that we shoved each other and then we sort of couldn't back down from that, but then we didn't want to actually hit each other. So we got into sort of a wrestling match. Wow. And that was the last time you saw him. No, that was about at the halfway point. Those are three months (laughs) in, but after that it was icy. We never recovered. Uh, he kept coming back and it was testy between us. Mm. Yeah, wow. and my notes remained personal from that point forward, <laughs> which I think motivated him. And is uh, frankly, he got more into it. Now you say he got more into it. Did he get better? No. Okay. Worse, I would say, but more entertaining. <laughs> entertaining, but not good at improv. He was a spectacle. Uh, but I would, yeah. He got. I don't know how to answer this. He definitely got worse at improv. He got worse every single time. Wow. He, the best he did was his first day, and he got worse every time. But he did become more entertaining as just like a character. Ooh. Like I think the class looked forward to what stuff he would say and do. <laughs> and I, you know what? I'll be honest. I encouraged it. I've taught improv for a long time, and I guess I'd gotten a little bored. So. I was trying to, I, I, I encouraged him as you know, I would tell myself, Stan, you gotta, you set a good example, give good notes, you know, tell people to play to the top of their intelligence, tell people to respect each other. But the guy just, I just, he really made me laugh. So I'd be like, Brian, 
I don't, I don't, you're bad. You're bad and you're dumb. Do better. And it would just, it would just provoke really interesting characters and reactions from him. So Brian really stood out to you then as a, Oh yeah. Huge. He stood out big time. Absolute crazy person from the get go. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah. I don't know. Is that consistent with what you found about his behavior with other people? Yeah, his behavior is sort of all over the place. We found. <laughs> really, it's all yeah. over the place. It's all it's over the place. Inconsistent is what you're. That's strange. Well, it's almost know, people, yeah, week to week. <laughs> people do behave differently in different mm-hmm. circumstances. He has gotten into some fights. Um, Brawling yeah. doesn't. He stabbed someone. Oh my gosh, that um, doesn't surprise me at all. He doesn't yeah. take. He does not take direction well. <laughs> um, yeah. that, but you know what I? You know what I found during this course is mm. there, I had an awakening. Because of Brian, he, he changed me and I thought it was for the worse, but upon reflection, I think it actually was for the better. Really? Before Brian took my improv class, I was, I mean, of course you'd have to ask my students, but I think conservatively speaking, it would be fair to say that I was a pretty mild, reasonable improv teacher. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure, I'm sure there's people who didn't like me. I'm sure there's people who didn't jive with me, but Certainly, I didn't find myself having any extraordinary uh, fights with students or arguments or anything. Brian entered the class right away. I didn't like him. I started noting him hard. I got personal. I told him what I thought of him the minute I thought of it, and it was refreshing because then I started doing it to everybody in class. How has that affected you know the rest of your class? Attendance has gone up like a thousand percent people cannot stop coming to my improv class. Really? The meaner I get, the more they show up. Wow. So you're like a chef's Ram- chef Ramsey of, like yeah, I improv. guess so. It started off that I was just telling people what I thought. I'd be like, Cheryl, I've never said this before, but you are a dud. You are a dud and a half. I've never been interested in anything you've said, you know, mm-hmm. and Mike, I got to tell you, you're a racist and we all know it. And we're sick of it. You know, not overtly. I'd say, just we can tell. Mm-hmm. And um, but then as people got more into it and they responded to that, I started just making stuff up. Now when students come in, I'm laying on insults before I've even had a chance to make an impression and they eat it up and they tell me I'm right. They tell me I'm right every time. Wow. And so it's had a, you know, and I gotta credit Brian. This is what's opened it up for me. Currently in my improv class, I have 75 to 80 people per class. That seems like a lot. It's untenable. There's, it does not function well. Because, you know, I don't know, if you, have you guys done improv or have you like studied it? But normally you've a got groups. Yeah, you get groups of like eight to 16, somewhere in there. It's like an acting class. You can get people up two at a time, four at a time. They're doing scenes. You know, everybody gets a shot. That, mm-hmm. That's generally what you do. I got 75 to 80 people, sometimes 100 people. And, they, and, they're, and, I, and they're, they're demanding to come in. <laughs> to get... The Brian treatment. Yeah, to get the Brian treatment. I opened the class with individual notes. Right, right. <laughs> Dress everybody. To, a lot of people haven't seen them before. It's, day it's one, you're of, giving wow. individual notes. <laughs> yeah. Day one, beginning of class. I start with individual notes. Then I pair them up. I say, everybody break into twos. Pick a partner. I usually say something like fatties, you pick a skinny person. And they are infuriated with me for addressing a subset of the class as fatties. Now we know Brian to be uh, almost like the slender man in his physique. Yes. 
He was an ectomorph. He was a he was a stick of a dude. I can't, he didn't seem to accumulate mass mm-hmm. in any way at all. Mm-hmm. A ridiculous looking man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is what I told him when on my first day when I when I got angry with him. I was like, "You're a circus freak. Like any choices you make are gonna. It doesn't matter because the audience is just gonna be looking at you." Mm-hmm. Really? What, I, yeah. I, well, we can get into it. He, he he just had an aggressive manner that opened something up in me. But yeah, I'll usually address the fatties first. Uh, and I'm a fat guy. Like I shouldn't, you know, I have body issues. I have a lot of self-hatred because of my body image. So when I call people fatties, I know how bad that is. I, I know how like toxic that is to address somebody by the shape of their body. But I tell you, it's really fun. Yeah. Well, I have to say, you know, just I've never met you in person, obviously, but you have such a like confidence about you right now. Like your you head is so? held so high. Yeah, I haven't felt I better. I haven't felt better. I'm running for mayor. Really? Are you really? Yes. That would be wonderful. Yeah. Our mayor is sort of a loose cannon in this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You'd seen nothing yet. He ain't no loose cannon. <laughs> I'm going to get my, my campaign is mostly going to be about addressing people in terms of their physical flaws. I've been watching a lot of Don Rickles. Are you familiar with Don Rickles, the mm-hmm. 1970s uh, insult comic? Yes, oh, yeah, yeah. of course. Um, I'm, I'm shaping a lot of my comedy to be like Don Rickles crowd work, you know? And your campaign? Yeah. Mm. yeah. I don't really have platforms or policies per se. I've never paid a ton of attention to local politics or policy administration. But what I know is people. Mm-hmm. And they want to be motivated. So I don't know. That's just that's just getting underway. That might I don't know how far that's going to go. Okay. I mean, honestly, I think you could do great. I mean, our, as some of our listeners may know, our current mayor, Mayor Benjamin Brandley, is mm-hmm. in sort of a legal thing with the U.S. government for holding the government hostage with a missile. Yeah, um, and I say he's not aggressive enough. He seems like a pushover to me. Mm. <laughs> anyway, uh, Brian. Like- um. Yeah. Well, how did he van? He did seem to be. Even relative to his already manic behavior in class, he did seem to be going through something in the final weeks. Mm-hmm. Something mm-hmm. was bothering him. Uh, something was on his mind. He was like troubled. Was something coming up regularly in, in the improv that gave you that? Yes. Yeah. He made. He was making a lot of the improv scenes to be about love, <laughs> about failed relationships, mm-hmm. uh, about mm-hmm. frustration with women and men just love and intimacy in general regardless of the context of the scene yeah like you could start a scene and somebody could be like hello this is a lemonade stand and i would like to buy lemonade and he'd be like why did you dump me why wasn't i enough for you and frankly it was making the scenes great (laughs) Mm -hmm. um but it that wasn't like him Mm -hmm. you know uh it, it was sort of a new turn Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of my notes for him had been that he was a real boring idiot and that nothing he did <laughs> seemed real. And I was like, have you lived life? You're, you're somehow, you're supposed to be miming pumping gas, but you look like a crazy person. I've never seen anybody pump gas like that. But in the last couple of weeks, he might be endowed as somebody pumping gas and he would just, he would just kind of sadly put down the mimed gas pump and then like turn to his scene partner and be like, why didn't this work? What happened to you and me? I can't tell but you, it, it worked every time. His object work was pretty good, though. His object work was extraordinary. <laughs> his object work was extraordinary. He was an exceptional, he was, I would say, dexterous, uh, uh, nimble, um, 
he had the, you know, he had the fingers of a of Chopin. You know, he could like shape. It was incredible. Ooh. I would get lost in it. Even when I hated him at my peak of my hatred for him, which was early, I was, I would marvel at object work and students knew it. And they would, students who were regulars would often, um, you know, for, put him in situations where he'd have to do object work, you know, they would mm-hmm. endow him as like a, as an ice sculptor, you know, or as like a, um, as a, as a barista at a Starbucks. So they could see him mime an espresso machine. Wow. You know, or like a lot of people would frequently endow him as a percussionist because he was really good at miming a variety of uh, drum instruments, you know, timpani, snares, bass, xylophone, marimbas, woodblock. He could he could keep them all going. He was like Rowan Atkinson. He was incredible. So in that regard, he would. Yes. And as I as I my little knowledge of improv, he would. Yes. And pretty well in the he would. Yes. And pretty well in general. He would agree in his own way. He would always be inspired and take something from what his scene partner was saying to him, which is good. I mean, that is the spirit of improv. He would just usually, I don't know, he, he would just put himself in the spotlight. Well, this is fascinating. Clark, it seems to me that um, we're getting a little, I, I think you may have ch- changed his, the way he was interacting with uh, people in his life. A lot of people, when they take an improv class or an acting class or any kind of artistic pursuit, it often unlocks a side of them that had been hidden. Lots of people I find when they're doing improv and acting, I've done my share of acting. I've run a monologue scene study class. I did a self-certified Meisner school for a while. I've never taken a Meisner class, but I did read the first half of his book. Mm-hmm. So I've seen a lot of people in acting uh, contexts and you'll see people tap into a side of themselves that's new, you know, very aggressive people might become shy. Um, unemotional people could just cry in, a, in an acting scene where they're not able to with their own loved ones. It's, it's fascinating. I think healthy. So it doesn't surprise me that you're hearing about a new side of Brian. Yeah. Um, he was obsessed with home alone, the movie. <laughs> He would bring that up out of nowhere. He would force a lot of his scenes to be acting out scenes from Home Alone. It'd be obvious. Was there a specific thing about Home Alone or just the film? Yeah, the general? traps, the traps that that Macaulay Culkin's character set up to catch uh, Joe Pesci and uh, Daniel Stern. You know, like the mm-hmm. paint can on a string swinging and knocking somebody in the head and a bunch of marbles on the floor. Uh, he would often force that into improv scenes. Would would he? The, how would he do that? Would he then paint that on within the scene? Would he say, "Look out! There's he'd, a bucket." He'd be in the middle of the scene, scene, right? Yeah, he'd be in the middle of the scene. Let's say it's like two characters are in a coffee shop and they're talking about whatever you know their time in high school. He stands up and he'd be like, "We cut away from this, which was not a convention that we had introduced." He goes, "We cut away from this to an old house. I'm a child. You're a villain." We see those marbles and suddenly he's just acting out the scene from home alone. And I would let it go on because I would be interested. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then at the end I would note him and we'd get into a fight. Mm -hmm. Wow. Is this helpful or I don't know. Yes. Okay. This is great. This is really contextualizing a lot of his behavior. I forgot to ask. I forgot to ask who, who are you guys? I just started talking. I didn't even ask. (laughs) Oh, yes. So I'm Clark McCarthy. This is Owen Ingmar. Uh, We have sort of uh, taken this Brian Lind case on. It's sort of a cold case. You're not police? No. No, no. Sorry. I thought you guys were police. No. 
No. Oh, thank God. Thank God. I was so nervous. I'm no, you... a huge cocaine addict. And I wasn't going to bring that up because I didn't want to like get arrested for that. Well, to be fair, it was obvious. Uh, your okay. head keeps dipping below the screen. Yes. Uh, I'm doing it right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. and if you I guys say, want any, I'll mail you some. That's so nice. That's very if nice. You were here, I'm just saying if you were here, I'd offer it to you, but obviously I can't. But if, I, mm-hmm. I'll mail you some if you want. That's oh, fantastic. Yeah. Um, and I will say like credit to your acting skills and your breath work because you would be doing uh, what I believe to be doing cocaine in the middle of a mm. sentence and yes. we could audio wise, you can't hear it. Cause you've done a lot of breath work. Yeah. I, I have a good sense of my own cadence and when there will be pauses naturally so that I can dip down and do a bump without interrupting my flow. Well, were you always doing cocaine or no. was this? No. No, Brian introduced it to me. That makes a lot of sense, yes, to be honest. It does. Yeah. Uh, after my first fight, he was like, you need to chill out. And then this doesn't make any sense to me. He offered me cocaine. He said it would soothe me. He said it would be like the tiger meeting another tiger. Like the tiger in me, my anger, would meet the tiger of the energy provided by the drug, and they would pet each other. And calm down. Mm-hmm. And you found that not to be the case. Not to be the case, but I couldn't stop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you know, cocaine has been good for me in most ways. I finished a couple operas. I broke up with my wife. Oh, um, I you know, so I don't mind. It seems like you and Brian had mutually uh, impressive impacts on one another. I think so. I mean, I think a lot of times I noted him so hard that first day. I was like, you're a dumb idiot. And I don't believe anything you're saying. But I find and I don't know if you guys have found this to be true. We are most critical in others what we dislike in ourselves. Mm-hmm. The, the aspects of ourselves that we are trying to change or get rid of when we see it in somebody else, you know, we are especially vehement. So I, I think in a way, Brian and I had a lot in common. And that might be why I was so hard on him and why we broke into a full on wrestling match match after his first scene mm-hmm. I, I going back to that real quick did you guys uh were you broken up by other students or did you just kind of like peter no, out that they wrestling? let it go on they let it go on for a while the <laughs> class my classes are three hours we did a scene we got into a fist fight that went on for 20 minutes i had no idea it was that long but when we finished i looked up and i was like my god that was 20 minutes i'm so sorry let's take a break when we come back we'll regroup i took a break this was half an hour into the class i took a break which is way early yeah but we needed it because we just had to like reset after what had gone down. Mm-hmm. Came back in after 15 minutes, did some scenes. They went pretty well. Brian went again. He immediately made it about home alone, home alone, home alone. <laughs> Sorry. It's take okay. Yeah. Jesus. I'm getting worked up. It's all right. It was a rough first class. You can also sit down. You've been in that Captain Morgan's position for most of this interview. <laughs> No, I'm good. I appreciate that. No, I'll stick around like this. Okay. It just feels good. If I get tired, I'll sit down for sure. Okay. Okay. God, I'm worked up. Thank God you're not police. I can't tell you how stressed I was. I fucking hate the cops. Hey, hey. Uh, preach into the choir. Yeah. I can't, I, I'm in favor of uh, the not, not just defunding the police, but disbanding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't need them, I say. Or speed limits or taxes for that matter. Is that all part of your campaign? Yes. <laughs> I'm running on disband the police. I can't, I, well, I hope to run. I have, you know, I, there's a lot of paperwork you got to fill out, like petitions you got to get signed. And, you know, if you're not going to be affiliated with an established party, it's a real, there's a real rigmarole, but I'm hopefully going to get it done. And you don't want to be affiliated with a party. 
I'd rather not. I find that they're restraining. Mm. Um, I mean, I, I've, you know, there, there are certain fringe parties that I'm in negotiations with, which we might be able to work it out. There's the asshole party. Oh, I, I'm not familiar. They never get a ton of traction, but um, uh, I, I, you know, I, I, the, the main guy is kind of charming, so I, um, I, I might end up working with them. But yeah, for right now, I'm a solo candidate. Hmm. Oh. Do you got figure? Was Brian like? Was he dating somebody? Do you know that? Was there like a love life thing going on with him in his last couple of weeks? Because. Yeah, we actually found a lot of, so we found out, uh, so he claimed to be a proud virgin, uh, yeah. but we did meet his mistress, uh, his secret wife, uh, the woman he lost his virginity to. These are all different people. These are all different people. My These gosh. are all different people, yes. His half-sister, who he was having an affair with. Ah, oh, yes. Rough. That's rough. I've, done, I've gone down that road myself. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Yes, I well, not a half sister, stepsister. My parents divorced when I was pretty young, and uh, my live with my dad and uh, his new wife brought her children. Um, and then when and then when we were when I was in my thirties, I'd become estranged from my stepsister. But then we met up and we dated for a while. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh. yeah. So pretty yeah. nice, actually. Uh, yeah. Uh, did, I mean, that, it's for it's forbidden and to a lot of people morally abhorrent. But I, the vibe that she and I had independent of that was pretty chill. Yeah. And that never came up between you and Brian talking about. I mean, that's quite an overlap. You both. I know. I wish I, if I'd known it, I wish I'd brought it up. I, I could have had some empathy because he would do a lot of scenes about dating his half sister. And I'd be like, that's insane. <laughs> you look insane. <laughs> Because Stop you're it. noting the thing about yourself. Yeah, because I kind of I didn't like it about myself. I was like, people will hate you if they know about this. You should mm -hmm. fear judgment is what I would tell them a lot. You should yeah. think a lot about what people think of you. That's <laughs> that's a piece of advice I give to lots of my improv students. <clears throat> Worry about image. Wow. My first rules. Because if you're an actor, it's like, hey, you're you're telling a story for people to watch. You have to think about the impact you're having on people. So it's very good for you to foster a constant concern about what people are thinking of you. Mm -hmm. If you want to, if you want to be a good actor, if you don't, what the fuck are you even doing here? Right. Yeah. God, I'm itchy. You guys itchy. <laughs> uh, a little bit, but I live in a motel. Uh, so oh, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I like that painting of the lighthouse behind you. Thank you. I hung that up. That oh, you added that to the motel. You brought your own painting. <laughs> uh huh. I did. Do you decorate uh, a lot of motels when you're visiting them. Uh, yeah, I try to. Uh, you know, home, it looks nice. Thank you. Home is where you make it. Um, Ooh, they had okay. other art up. I took that down. Um, wow. Yeah. Can I, it, can I see it? Can you hold up the art you took down? <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's this one. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, some Monet knockoff or something like that. Yeah, who gives a shit? <laughs> There's yeah. this one, uh, as you can see, uh, mm. Mount Rushmore. Who needs it? I like what you have up. I like the lighthouse and the sad clown. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Did you paint the sad clown? Uh, no, that was uh, um, I had that commissioned. <laughs> you uh, did somebody mm -hmm. make that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it looks yeah. like you. It looks like you. Yeah, I I said I'd like a portrait. Uh, Have you ever done improv? <laughs> um, just uh, I've just dabbled in it. Um, mm -hmm. 
I bought that Improv Everywhere book and tried to do some uh, <laughs> stunts, just some like crowd. Just you try to get a bunch of crowds to show up somewhere. You the Improv Everywhere book. That's like that's about like the that's called We Cause Scenes, right? That's where like they organize like sort of public yes. performances. Yeah, they uh like no pants on the subway, things like that. Uh huh. Um, yeah, you really need the numbers for that. Uh, it's hard to, to do that solo, I would imagine. Very hard. I mean, logistically, should, you, piece of cake. I just took my pants off on the subway. But and you're done. You did it. Yeah. You should come by my class because I, what I got is numbers. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing with these. I've, I had a hundred people this last Sunday. So if you wow. want to meet people who are into that, you come by. Where are you fitting a hundred people for an improv class? I uh, I do it. I use a yoga studio, but we're we're packing them in. I mean, like <laughs> they're shoulder to shoulder in there. I got to get a bigger room. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, just, I just have trouble laying out the rent money. Yeah. Yoga place is cheap. Well, uh, yeah, they're, they're packed in, in there. There's a mirror all along one wall, but it fogs up instantly from all the people breathing. Yeah. That sounds like yeah. it would be tough to do scene work. Oh yeah. We don't get a ton of scene work done. It's mostly notes. Mostly. Mostly notes. individual. Mm-hmm. It's really just become an hour and a half of crowd work and then half an hour Q and a. Okay. Yeah. It does kind of feel like you're now more running a stand-up show where you're <laughs> yeah, just, sort yeah, of I'm, I've been bringing audience. a microphone. I'm wearing a velvet blazer. It has evolved. <laughs> um, we do a little zip zap zop some point in there. So there, there are still the vestiges of it. <laughs> yeah. I find nothing like zip zap zop really gets people in a good mood. A mm-hmm. hundred people doing zip zap zap inside a yoga studio. Yep. They love it. Mm-hmm. They love it. And then you roast them. You roast a hundred people. Yep. Pretty early. <laughs> I try to make assumptions about their ethnic heritage. And unfortunately I'm often wrong, <laughs> but but they, they're kind of like, but I do, I'll be like, you look at this Lithuanian, this Lithuanian <laughs> harlot over here, sleeping around just like the morals of a country that's never been run properly. And she's like, mm-hmm. I'm not Lithuanian, but I do feel like I am. Oh, I can't miss with this approach. <laughs> People love being attacked. <laughs> that's incredible. Well, yeah. I'm like, look I'm- over here, a fatty Brit. Look at this fat British person. And then it's like a Southern guy. And I'm like, shit, I missed. <laughs> But he'll be like, I feel British. I'm like, you are, you fatso. That guy's wow. not fat. <laughs> so uh, just why? Uh, so not only their ethnic heritage you're missing on, also physical attributes, you're way off. Yeah, I don't get enough time to really take him in too much. So I, I, you know, but I think people just like to be abused is what it is. They're just like hatred equals attention for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. They eat it up. So I don't know. It's a strange thing. You guys should come by. I think we'd love to. Clark, yeah. have you done any improv? Um, I find improv to be very loose in a way that makes me uncomfortable. Um, you like the structure and. Yeah, I'm a big structure guy. Yeah. I like if somebody would tell me like heads up, this is what we think this is going to be about at the top. I'd feel a lot yeah. more relaxed, but they never really do that. Well, there's um, a yoga class right before my improv one that does seem pretty structured. So you might want to try that and then you can just stick around for the first half hour of mine and see if you like it. Yeah, that'd be great. And then yeah. I'd feel probably pretty relaxed, pretty. Hey, you'd you be know, ready for the notes so... portion. We yes, open with notes. Absolutely. <laughs> I would love some hard notes on me because I just, I don't know. Everybody does. On. Everybody does. Mm-hmm. I'll give you one right now. Yeah. Um, you're, uh, you're unrealistic. Huh. Your performance is unrealistic. Nobody would buy it. You know? That's pretty you good. Like, oh, 
You look like an idiot. <laughs> wow. I like that. And all yeah. of a sudden I am connected. I, I got to check out this class. I like People this. Need it. People need it. People wow. need it. Did, uh, do you recall the last day that Brian showed up to class? Did yes. you give him particular notes or the scenes? Partic- I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what was different about it. Cause he had been doing this, like these romantic scenes, uh, not romantic. These like scenes about love life and intimacy and trying to connect with people. And, you know, I'd been railing on them like always <laughs> for whatever reason. And I could not tell you why on this last day, I felt he was really hitting bottom and it opened up a moment of sympathy in me. And I asked him to stay after class, which I had never done. We'd never had a one-on-one conversation outside of our fights, which were always, you know, you know, in the middle of class with people watching, this is just mm-hmm. me and him. And I was like, um, I've been hard on you, but you keep coming back. And I said, and I've never told you this, but I respect that you're a fighter and uh, whatever your goals are in life, I think you're going to get them. And I think you're special. And that's the reason I'm hard on you. And um, you're good at this. And that was the last time I ever saw him. <laughs> yeah. Did he say anything to those notes? He like, cried. He cried. Wow. He cried and we hugged, which, and then we sort of wrestled a little bit just from muscle memory because we were just so used to doing that. But then we caught ourselves and stopped and it was, it was a really just nice and warm and unguarded hug. Wow. That sounds beautiful. That sounds like the end of a dramatic film, you know, sort of getting that acceptance from a father figure and then crying while you wrestle him. Then we each had a bump of cocaine. I took out two bass guitars and we played the bass parts to Van Halen's first album. (laughs) Wow. That's that's the easiest part musically. Did you teach him on the spot or did he know it? Uh, I just assumed he knew it. He was following along with me pretty well. (laughs) And you had two bass guitars on hand? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. I mean, this is pretty incredible. You know, the more uh, we're hearing from you, the more I'm feeling like you're sort of a a different aspect of Brian himself. What's different uh, about it? Well, I just oh, think that I'm a different aspect of Brian himself. Yeah, yes. like you are part I of him. We, I did feel almost like, almost like we had dreamed each other. Like we had dreamed each other mm-hmm. and because we were each a manifest of a sliver of our own personalities, you know, of our aggressive yang side. Mm -hmm. I did feel that. I mean, I felt more aggressive around Brian, you know, Mm -hmm. there was certain classes where I believed he did not exist, which I noted him on. (laughs) And I accused him of not existing and of me making him up, which he responded well to. As an actual person, you thought that he might be a figment of your imagination. I believed for of the six months that I knew Brian, there was about a two month period where I was like, he's not real. I'm making him up and only I can see him. Mm -hmm. But that was not true. He did exist. Everybody could see him. (laughs) No. Um, And I apologized to him on that last day. I was like, I'm sorry. I thought you didn't exist for two months. Wow. And then you never saw him again. And I never, any, and we hugged, we finished playing bass guitar. We, you know, we finished playing ice cream man, which is the last track on Van Halen's first album. And we put the two bass guitars down. I shook his hand. Uh, very sort of men, mm-hmm. you know, men who respected each other. 
maybe had their differences. And he said, I'll see you next Sunday. And he walked out and I, and I haven't seen him. Wow. Uh, I mean, I thought we had a real breakthrough. I mean, yeah. Do you think that you inspired him to go wherever he went? Or do you think that? No, I took it personally. I think he was like that pussy. I'm never going to take improv from that. You know, we did a lot of like (laughs) ugly words when we described each other, like pussy and bitch and Mm -hmm. cocksucker. And like, you're a shithead and you're a fat idiot. And I I hate you. Mm -hmm. So I think he was like, Oh, I, I think he saw me as weak. And that's why he left. Oh, I mean, if it gives you any solace in your soul, uh, we do believe at this point that he was kidnapped by a man who may or may not have been Santa Claus and oh, stuffed in God. a van. Thank God. Because uh, I really thought that he, that I had blown it by like this moment of vulnerability. And I'm glad to hear that maybe that wasn't the case. Maybe that I did connect with him and just other circumstances intervened. That's a relief to me to hear that. Yeah. yeah. Um, you probably, it sounds like you changed Brian profoundly, but I don't know that you had much to do with his disappearance. Thank God. That's honestly a huge relief. Um, now I won't be scared to maybe be nice to some of my other students who I think need it. Oh, so you've been, uh, sort of hesitant to be nice to any of your students. I have felt that several of my students have reached a point where the abuse is having diminishing returns. Hmm. And they need sort of a kind word or sort of a respite uh, from the anger. And, um, but I've been scared to do it because I'm like, yeah, I did it to Brian and he vanished, you know, he (laughs) vanished from the earth. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think you can be, you can start being nice and giving some supportive words. Thank God you guys came by uh, virtually. Jesus. Oh my God. Thank God you're not cops. Oh my God. (laughs) I've impersonated police. You yeah. have to great effect. Like in an improv scene or no, no, no. Like in the world, like I bought a police uniform and I've worn it around, oh. which is a huge crime mm-hmm. because yeah. it just has, you know, it really like changes the way people treat you. I've gotten free coffee, free donuts. I've pulled people over, given them tickets. <laughs> um, Why did you do this? Whoa, whoa. Power, uh, impotence, a feeling of impotence that uh, for a desire for power, um, meanness, mm-hmm. <laughs> shittiness. Uh, I mean, sometimes I'll get into it. Sometimes I've helped somebody find their cat. Uh, hey. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I broke up a bank robbery once. Wow. Um, That's remarkable. But mostly I would just pull people over and get free, free coffees from walking around. <laughs> <laughs> And um, I, I did it, you know, not only just out of power and meanness, but I was like, I got to understand these cops. I got to see what it's like from their point of view. Did you have any, did you gain some perspective? None. Mm. None. I was like, they're jerks. <laughs> I'm behaving like an asshole, just like they do. I see. Uh-huh. So, so no a, other career interests outside of being a mayor. You're, you're. No, I'm an improv teacher. That's what I've been since I was 15 years old. Yeah. And uh and I'm and uh and I guess I have an interest in politics, which to me is not that different than being a teacher in a lot of ways. No. <laughs> Working with people, trying to put forward ideas, trying to convince people of philosophies, trying to enlighten people. I mean, I think there's a lot in common between mm-hmm. a good executive and a teacher. Yeah. Wow. 
Well, I mean, I'm excited to see how this mayoral campaign goes. I think you got it. Hope, I hope I pull it off. I think so too. I'll just get me in a debate with Benjamin and I will tear him to shreds, you know, <laughs> put me and him on stage in front of people and I will rip him apart. I'll open my debate by noting the crowd individually and then I'll get into him. And I, I really think I have a shot if I can get to that point. Okay. I so think we'll so. Now, do you have any campaign slogans uh-huh. that you've been ban the police? <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> you're <No>. fat. <laughs> it's another one. And you're an idiot is the other one. Wow. Uh-huh. I've what? tested them in my improv classes and they test well. Okay. They is get your... a response and people remember them. Are your students supportive of your may- mayoral campaign? Yes, but they have to be. Mm. They're not allowed to dissent from my opinion during class. So, okay. But I think, I think they are genuinely into it. Um, so that's just, there's no way to really tell because there's no way to, to really tell because I have forbidden dissent during mm-hmm. the class. So, have they, you wrestled with other students or just Brian? Many other students. Brian was the first, but I now incorporate that into my teaching. <laughs> If I feel they're not taking notes well, I tag it and just attack them. <laughs> so you've kind of got a professional wrestling aspect to this as well. Uh huh. Yeah, I've worked that in there. Sure, I have some entrance music I play when I do this. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you pace around the stage, essentially. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not a good choice. I play the District Sleeps Alone Tonight by the Postal Service. It's a very soothing <laughs> song. And then I stomp around and then leap on the students. But I don't know. It speaks to me. The loneliness of that song. I really connect with it. And it seems to speak to them because your business has never been better. Everything's going gangbusters. So something's working. I am deeply sad, but my business has never been better. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm so relieved to hear that it doesn't sound like I was responsible for Brian's. I thought he just left society. Uh, and I, it doesn't sound like that's happening. So I am, I am relieved to hear that. Yeah. We don't believe that he did unless he staged the kidnapping, uh, which, would not, which I could, I would not put past him, but he was definitely going through something. He was sad about relationships. I'm, I'm positive of that. It yes. Takeaway I can give you guys. Yeah. That's very helpful. Um, is there anything you, You'd like to say to Brian if we get in contact yes. with him? Or, okay. You piece of shit. I don't believe your scene work for one second. <laughs> if it wasn't for your object work, you'd be a waste of space. Uh, you act like you've never seen a human being, much less much less been one. And um, and uh, try to learn what a second beat is, you unimaginative idiot. That's what I like to say to Brian. <laughs> so you, you... And I love you and I miss you. Oh, okay. Mm. Yes. That's what I was going to ask if you were going to take back the sentiment that maybe uh, startled him into. Uh, no, I, I I still think he's special, but he's a okay. piece of shit idiot who doesn't know how to behave like a real human being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. I mean, honestly, this is one of the most beautiful uh, interviews we've done. Like, really? This is, yes. I, I, I mean, I'm taking a lot emotionally out of this. I, oh I think gosh. what you had is a beautiful connection. Clark, thank you. That's yeah. sweet mm-hmm. of you. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for I taking the time. I miss him. Yeah. I think about him a lot. Yeah. It seems like it. It seems like you had a, a connection. He had a huge effect on me. My life's different now. No. Oh. Um, 
Well, I mean, we will let you know if we find him. Please do. Please do. Yeah. Um, and I guess, do you want us to plug anything about your mayoral campaign before you leave? I mean, just look we... out, just vote for me for mayor, ban the cops. You're fat. You're an idiot. 